0: You know, these last few weeks, we've been talking about different things that all have the same subject in mind. Uh, A few weeks ago, we talked about being an empty vessel before the Lord and how we need to empty ourselves. And a lot of times we just fill ourselves up with the wrong things, you know, and worries and concerns. And and then we talked the the following week about um, how information doesn't lead to intimacy, but intimacy leads to information. Last week, we talked about uh, chasing after Jesus, not chasing after our dreams, and how I feel like in all of this, everything that's, that's kind of been being said during these last few weeks are just about, about returning to Jesus and getting back to him. And we can fill our days and we can fill our minds and, and all this stuff with all these activities and all these things that can even mask themselves as Jesus, but they're really not. And, and I, I just, I want to continue that today. I want to continue on that discussion. And as I was preparing for today, I, I don't know if you were here last Sunday, but it, w- it was a powerful service. It was just one of those Sundays where, you know, you, you, you experience it, it's awesome. But, you know, as a, as a pastor or preacher, it, you don't want to just try and duplicate the feelings and all that. So it was, it was kind of like a reset button for me, if I'm being honest with you. I like, God, you know, where, we, where do we go now? What do, what do you wanna share? What do you wanna to communicate to us next week? And he, he pointed me actually somewhere very unexpected and it was the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is not something that, I, that I've studied a lot of. I, I know it. If you, if you don't know the Sermon on the Mount, it's in Matthew chapter five, starting in Matthew chapter five and it starts with the Beatitudes, which are eight blessings that Jesus gives to the, those that are listening and to us today. Um, Yeah, I got the attitudes, the Beatitudes. I want the world to see that Jesus lives in me. I got the attitudes, the Beatitudes, right? That's uh, going to old school VBS. And I wanna read um, a quote that I found about the Sermon on the Mount because it has a certain reverence to it. Like when you talk about the Sermon on the Mount, there's a sense of awe about it. And which is funny because it's, at least in my experience, it's not super preached on all the time. But it is just a powerful, powerful message that Jesus gives. And this is, this is what someone said about it. It says, It has been said if you, if you took all the good advice for how to live. So if you took all the good advice for how to live ever uttered by any philosopher or psychiatrist or counselor. You took all the foolishness and boiled it down to the real essentials. You would be left with a poor imitation of this great message by Jesus. There's so much wisdom in it. There's so much instruction and love and all those good things. And so what we're going to do this morning is we are going to look at just the very first beatitude, the very first really verse, the first sentence that Jesus utters of this Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to talk about what it means. And I think in it, uh, we're going to leave here encouraged. We're going to leave here blessed and relieved, I think, a little bit, and also redirected. That's what I'm hoping for, that we are redirected back to Jesus after we read and discuss this Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'll be honest with you, I've heard this verse said before. Growing up in church, I've heard uh, the Beatitudes. And when I hear this one, you know, I kind of nod. Like, okay, cool. And I'm, you know, trying to do the, the in-church nodding agreement in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, but in my head, I'm going, what? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't make any sense. Because that verse right there, in and of itself, runs contradictory to the entire fabric of our society. It is the complete opposite of what the world tells us. And and honestly, I'm gonna put myself in that category as well because the world doesn't say blessed are the poor. It says blessed are the rich, right? And when I'm sitting in traffic, I sound a lot more like the world than I do Jesus here, all right? When I see that truck next to me, like, blessed is that dude with that truck, right? You're, you're riding around that certain neighborhood or whatever. Blessed is that family for that house. Blessed are those kids in that school. Blessed is that family in that vacation, right? I mean, is that just me? Maybe it's just me. But Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what we need to understand in this simple short verse is the entire gospel. The entire message of Jesus is in this verse. And so let's really peel back what Jesus is saying here because it's so important to know in any other context, in any other context, this wouldn't make sense, but again, Jesus by saying this is presenting the gospel to everyone that will listen. It's pretty awesome. But before we, before we go any further with this, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit and preface everything with this. This is awesome, okay? Well, I want to go back and look in the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament and, and see what Malachi the prophet is saying, what God is saying through him to the world. And we are going, it's gonna, it's, it is just the coolest thing When we consider all this. So let's kind of pause on Matthew 5 and jump to Malachi chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. Again, this is the last chapter of the Old Testament. It says, See, the day is coming. It is burning like a hot fire. And all those who are proud and those who do wrong will be like dry grass. The day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord of all. Not a root or branch will be left to them. Okay, so what sticks out in that verse more than anything is that it says those who are proud, God is warning the proud. He's warning them. He's saying, listen, the day's coming. Judgment is coming. And those that are proud are gonna gonna be judged. And then he goes on to say this. This Now, this is the last sentence, the very last sentence of the Old Testament. Again, another warning. Or else, this is God speaking through Malachi. Or else, I will come and destroy the land with a curse curse is the last word of the old testament it's a warning of judgment on those that are proud Right, saying judgment is coming and so we have this word curse that ends the old testament in the first word out of jesus's mouth in the sermon on the mount is blessed so we have this this time in the world where there is no jesus all right, and there, there's, there's arrogance, there's pride. People trying to do everything on their own, trying to be their own God. And God's saying to Malachi, you're gonna be cursed through those actions. And then Jesus comes on the scene. How cool is this? Jesus comes on the scene, and the first words out of his powerful, amazing sermon are blessed, are those that are poor in spirit. See, when we try and do things on our own, when we walk around with that pride, and we might not even know it's pride, or we're trying to save ourselves, we're not poor in spirit. We're act, well, we think we're rich in spirit. But really, what that is, is pride. It's a proud spirit. And you know, I'll be honest with you in America, I think that might be our biggest challenge. A lot of Americans don't come to church and don't follow Jesus because they don't need a Savior. And their mind—they don't need a savior. They got the house, they got the car, they got the job, roof over their head, ACs on in the summer, heat's on in the winter. What do I need a savior from? Life's pretty good. That's why you see in third-world countries where there's desperation and poverty, and a real need for a savior, when they hear the gospel, when they hear the good news of Jesus, and they go running. Do you know why? Because they identify that they are poor in spirit, and they need a savior. Being poor in spirit is, is, is understanding that in our spirits, we, are, we have poverty, true poverty. And when you walk in poverty, in, in real life terms, you get to a point where you now, survival instincts are kicking in and you gotta do something, all right? I don't know if you've ever been in that place in your life where you've hit rock, rock bottom. And you're like, I gotta do something. I need help. And so the survival instincts started kicking and you start asking people for help. Desperate people. Jesus is saying, when you come to me and you are poor in spirit, you come and you say, I need you, Jesus. I don't have anything else. He's not saying to you, are you serious? You failure? You loser? And I honestly believe that there are people sitting in here this morning right now who have been feeling that way about themselves. That because you need Jesus, you actually look at yourself as a loser and as a failure. But when Jesus hears us utter those words, God, I need you. I need you. I'm poor in spirit. My efforts only bring poverty. I can't do it on my own. He says, finally finally why did it take you so long and he doesn't just say that but he says you're blessed you're blessed you finally get it you finally get why i came you get what i'm saying blessed are you and then in our poverty okay in our poverty in our poor spirit then we inherit the kingdom of god then we are made rich by admitting that we're poor. You, you, you get it? It's awesome. And then this curse that we hear about in the Old Testament is lifted, and we go from cursed to blessed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we have to understand that admitting that God, we need you, is not an admittance of failure. It's, it, what it is, it's understanding that God is amazing, He's amazing. And that we're not. It's as simple as that. And nothing we can do will measure up. So yes, Jesus, I am poor in spirit. I need you. And here's the other cool thing. In my spirit, I am poor. I can't do it. I can't do it. And so when we go to Jesus, when you go to the Lord and you say this, you say, God, I'm poor in spirit. I need you. He takes that poor spirit of ours. He puts it over here. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit, Amen. which is not poor, which is not walk in poverty, but is, is, the, is the access to the riches of God. It's the access to his power and his might, and it is all those things. So when, as we exchange our poverty of our own spirit, we're then given the spirit of God. Is there a greater exchange than that? I don't think so. I don't think so. But we have to be willing. Poverty of spirit is an absolute prerequisite for receiving the kingdom of heaven. And as long as we harbor illusions about our own spiritual resources, we will never receive from God what we absolutely need to be saved. Are you willing to admit that you're poor in spirit? Are you going to continue to try and do things all on your own? Because when we try and do things in our own flesh and we walk in that pride, We walk in that arrogance of thinking that we don't need a savior and we can do it ourselves. We do not end up with a blessing. We end up with a curse. Look back on your own life. I dare you. At the times where you tried to figure it out on your own and see how that went. And it's not not an indictment on the type of person any of us are. It's just to say that life is really hard. And the only savior that there is to overcome it is not ourselves. It is Jesus. That is it. And so rather than trying to fight every day, trying to climb up, you know, this slippery slope and always falling down, why don't we instead just fall at the feet of Jesus, admit that we are poor in spirit, and then inherit the kingdom of God? Doesn't that sound a little bit better? I, I think so. I got another quote for you. It says, the kingdom of heaven is not given on the basis of race. Earned merits, the military zeal and prowess of zealots or the wealth of a Zacchaeus. It is given to the poor, the despised publicans, the prostitutes, those who are so poor that they can offer nothing and do not even try. They cry for mercy, and they alone are heard. Being poor in spirit let me, let me say this quickly is not self-loathing or self-hatred. That is not poor in spirit. Here's why that's not poor in spirit. Because when we hate ourselves and we loathe ourselves, we are speaking against God's creation. Amen. And God does not look at us in our darkest hour, in our biggest failure, with, with loathing and hatred. So when, we're, when we don't be careful, be careful not to confuse poor in spirit with hating yourself. And that is not the same thing. God never feels like that about us. And so if God never feels that way about us, then we shouldn't either, okay? And here's the other reason why self-hatred is not the same thing. Because when we look in the mirror and we do all this and I hate this about me and me and me, we've now made it about ourselves. And poor in spirit is not being about ourselves. Being poor in spirit towards Jesus is, again, looking upon him with awe and wonder in praise, like we sung about this morning, saying, God, you are amazing. And as I I look upon you, and as I consider you, and the things that you've done for me, I know that none of it is because of me. It's because of your love for me. I didn't earn these things. Your love for me gave me these things. And so I can't boast in it. I can't be proud about it. All I can do is say, God, here I am poor in spirit ready to worship you at your feet so quit the self-hatred quit the false humility and just sit at his feet say god i worship you and you alone and in that you will be blessed and you can argue all you want but jesus said it not me jesus isn't a liar Luke 18, starting in verse 9, Jesus tells this parable, and it's just perfect for what we're talking about today. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. (laughs) Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. What do we have here? We have a Pharisee versus a publican, yes. What we have here is pride versus humility. We have so-called rich in spirit, Versus so-called poor in spirit. And though we may not sound exactly like the Pharisee with, with this blatant arrogance, there are times in my life where I do feel that way sometimes. God, I'm not at least, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm not like this person over here. I'm doing all the things you said. And, and before I know it, before I know it, I become rich in my own spirit. And I'm not settled to just sit at Jesus' feet, day after day, no matter how hard I'm trying to say, "God, I just need you. I worship you. I can't do this. I need you. I need you, I need you, over and over and over again. We have to be very careful to be more like the sinner than the Pharisee. Say, "God, have mercy. Have mercy on me. I'm poor in spirit. And then trust in Jesus enough that we'll be blessed for it. Mm. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, the second Sunday of each month is when we serve communion. Usually we do it during worship. But I wanted to, with what we're talking about this morning, I kind of wanted to do it as part of our sermon. Um, so if the ushers could just go ahead and, and get, go in the back and start passing that out now, uh, that'd be awesome. We're going to continue the discussion uh, with, with communion coming up. And I want to look in Romans chapter three, starting in verse 19. It says, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. So let's just pause real quick here. What Paul is saying is like, look, the law is not there for us to live up to because we can't. And in fact, the law is there to show us that we can't live up to it. And so what the law, what we read about in the Old Testament, uh, especially, what the purpose of the law is, is to redirect us to Jesus. Like If, if, you, if you've ever been using you know, a, a, you know, Waze or anything like that when you're driving somewhere, a GPS system, and you're supposed to go away, and a, lo and behold, a road is closed, and you can't go that way, it's not possible. Usually what, what the computer tells you to do is, it says rerouting, right? That's what the law does. The law tells us go this way, but we know that we can't go that way because it's too much. We're sinners. We can't live up to this righteous law, and so what it does, it says redirect, and it redirects us to a Savior that did it for us. It redirects us to Jesus who says, come, come to me, all you who are weary. Come, and you will find rest. Come, who are poor in spirit, and you will be blessed. So, the law, the thing that we try and accomplish every day, is not meant to save us. It can't. It's meant to steer us to the Savior that can, which is Jesus. Let's keep reading. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. I'm gonna say that again. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Come on. Listen, we're all poor in spirit. Some of us just know it, and others don't. That's the difference. We're all poor in spirit. None of us can measure up to God's standard, his righteousness. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus said, those who are poor in spirit, who come to me, will inherit the kingdom of God. But if we spend all of our days trying to do it ourselves, fighting our own pride, being our own savior, we're never gonna get it. And it's amazing when we fall at Jesus' feet and we confess that we are poor in spirit, that, as Paul is writing here, is when we're set free. That is when we're made rich. It's, it's, it's this crazy truth that you just don't see anywhere else in any faith or belief, anything like that, because we serve a God who sent his son to die for us. So what I want to do this morning, we're going to close actually the service today with communion, We're not going to have worship at the end. We're just going to observe this. Kind of give it the weight that it's due. Because when we observe communion and we remember Christ's death, it is no small thing. When, when we take the bread and we take the juice, we're saying, we're poor in spirit. God, receive what you've done for me. But what I want to do before that Because as we read here, Jesus is for everyone who believes. It doesn't say it's for everyone who believes once they get their act together. All right? You notice that the publican didn't say, God, here I am. I'm going to go back and I'll be back in a few days. When I stop sinning, then I'll pray to you. He just says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he doesn't let his sin stop him from crying out to God. Jesus and in this first beatitude this first verse of the Sermon on the Mount does not say blessed are the you're doing okay spirit okay <laughs> you're 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 I can see the effort spirit right he says blessed are the poor and when he says that word poor it is you know it's translated as like the most intense poverty so think about the most impoverished places in the world and relate our spirit to that, that's what Jesus is talking about. So don't think for a second that when we read that Jesus came for everyone who believes, he's talking about everyone else but you, because your spirit is just a little too poor. Uh-uh. Don't discredit what Jesus did on the cross, because you think that what you did was more than that, or too bad for that. So as we're sitting here with the cup and the bread, I just want to take a few seconds in silence and if you are sitting in this room this morning and you haven't received Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. And we're just going to make it between you and God. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It doesn't say that if you repeat a prayer after your pastor. It says if you believe in your heart and you profess with your mouth. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to do that. As we sit in silence, let's just all just close our eyes and bow our heads right now. And I just want to give you a moment. Just just a few seconds to just be able to say that. Just say, Jesus, I believe. You can say it quietly. You can say it out loud. However you feel comfortable. Father, we thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice. As we look to the standards, the law, and see that we just can't measure up, when we... When we mess up, doing a lot of times the same sin over and over again that just feels like it's going to defeat us all the time and we get ashamed and we get embarrassed and we feel like there's no way we can go to God anymore. We've we've asked for forgiveness for this a million times over. God, when we just look in the mirror and we don't like what we see, God, we can remember this, that you don't say cursed are the poor in spirit. You say blessed. You say blessed. When we can come to you and say, God, this is all I have. We're blessed. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross, for taking our sin on yourself so that we could have a Savior that we get to know every single day where we never have to feel ashamed. We never have to feel like we've done too much. But we can run to you and we can sit at your feet. Father, for those of us in here that maybe without even knowing have become our own saviors. We've been walking around in pride, with arrogance, thinking that everything is up to me. I have to do this myself. If I'm going to be a good Christian, I have to do this all by myself. God, forgive us of that and release us of that. In Jesus' name, help us, Father, this week to remember your promise that the poor in spirit are blessed. Thank you, Lord, that, the, that the, the narrative went from curse to blessing, all because of you. God, we take the bread right now, and we remember it, Father. Remember your body that was broken. God, it was beaten. To an inch of your life, you were beaten, brutally. You were mocked, you were spit at, you were made fun of, and then you were nailed to a cross. And you stayed there, Father, until you died, when you could have easily gotten down at any moment. For us, for those that were too poor in spirit to do it ourselves. Father, right now we take the bread in remembrance of you. Father, we take the cup. God, we remember the blood that was shed for us. The blood that makes us clean every day, Lord. That washes us new. That, that a blood that is stronger than any sin we could ever commit. God, those things that we carry around with us, God, when we, we receive you, Lord, your blood is what makes us new every single day. And we take that now, Father, and we say, thank you, Lord, Thank you, Father, for the blood that you shed when you didn't, you just didn't have to, God. Well, you did for us. And we thank you for it, Lord. Let's take the cup. Let's stand up together, shall we? I want to thank everyone for coming this morning. I, think, I do believe with all my heart that there is a special brunch served in heaven for those that come on Daylight Savings to church. So you can be expectant of that. Blessed are the tired who come to church, for the brunch will be delicious in heaven. I want to pray this over you all this morning, and then we will be dismissed. But I want to also say this. If you made a decision today in any way, shape, or form to accept Jesus into your heart, we want to talk to you. You can come find me, Pastor Tina, who was doing the announcements, uh, Don who came up here, one of our elders. We have several elders around. Uh we want to we want to meet with you and just pray with you again and uh, just see how we can serve you better. But um I just wanted to do things a little different today because man, Jesus, he's incredible. And a lot of I just don't want to I don't wanna do things just out of routine. I just don't. You know? And um uh, his sacrifice was just unbelievable for us. To be able to say, come to me, poor in spirit, you're blessed. I mean, my goodness, we do not deserve Jesus. A man, he's good. I'm going to pray this over you all, and then we're going to be dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you, Father, for these people, for the families that are represented in this place. God, we love you. And we again, thank you that the narrative went from curse to blessing. God, help us to know that truth every day. For those that are here for the first time and those that have been coming here for decades, God, that we would all walk out of here remembering that it's not about how amazing we can be, but how amazing you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Father, and we bless you And we exalt you, Father. And we thank you from the bottoms of our heart for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.